Hey everybody, it's Matthew. This is just a little brief bonus episode. There was some leftover uh, tape from my conversation with Alice. She, as I mentioned before, <laughs> being, uh, I, guess, I guess, getting into old habits, she started sort of interviewing me and this so this this ends up being a fair amount of me talking but it, it we got into some of why i guess i am bothering to do this podcast at all and turns out alice is a pretty good interviewer anyway it was a it was not a real long conversation but i thought it was a a decent one and just one you know to ensure that ron paget will never ever Come on, <laughs> Slee Ricketts as a guest, in case there was any doubt before. Uh, I, I did have a great time talking with Alice, and we are talking about maybe doing some more collaboration soon in, in this, this podcast or the other or somewhere. One more quick note. Uh, shortly after Alice and I spoke, she released the 150th episode of Poetry Says, which is a really juicy conversation with her close poetry reading friend and accomplice, Eleanor Smagorinsky. It's really worth listening to. I was, uh, <laughs> I, I was, I was sort of jealous of some of the, uh, some of the bubbles they managed to burst m- most notably and j- deliciously the observation, the obvious observation, the, the, incredibly obvious and always neglected observation that nobody reads poetry magazines. So uh, listen listen to that for more. I'll put, I, I, I'm too lazy to do show notes for bonus episodes, but I'll put a link to that episode, if nothing else. And uh, more more from, from uh, all parties concerned, soon enough, one hopes. So I'm realizing something about myself as you're, just, you're talking about your response to friends who ask you about poetry is that I am, I'm trying to think of like the, the least obnoxious way to describe this, but like in what comes to mind, if there was the, the sort of initially interesting and then increasingly space operatic and bonkers, um, man, uh, man in the high castle miniseries on Amazon, which is about an alternate history in which uh, Japan and, and Germany won world war two. There is a character in that movie or in that show who is a white American guy, and he runs a little shop that caters to the Japanese occupiers. He sucks up to all of the Japanese people who come into the store, and he speaks Japanese, and he conducts himself in, in deference to their customs, and he sort of speaks with like loathing of himself as an American. With you know, we don't really have any culture, and you're you're like the. I realize like that's how I speak to people who are not poets, but like I, like I'm I, like. I try to preempt their loathing of poetry by, because I, I think the, in a way, like the reflexive fear I have is, is not so much that like they will think that anything I say goes for poetry as a whole, but that they will have encountered poetry at large and then look to me and think like, oh, you must like that. Like you must, that must be, <laughs> like you must be into that. Maybe, maybe I'll get you a, a Rupi Kaur mug for your birthday. You know, like that. So like, I think I, I then like, I leap into to to have to express more self-loathing than they can express uh, for me. I definitely do that as well. Uh, I definitely definitely try to get there before they can. Um, 
but my heart breaks sometimes when people come to me and, and you know like first of all it's awful when somebody asks you what you do and uh not that i would ever really i mean you know in the movie when he is asked directly if he's a poet he says no I think I would probably do that nine times out of ten. But if it ever comes out somehow that that I do write poems, one of the most common responses I get is this immediate like, oh, I don't get poetry. Um, like this defensive kind of like, oh, no, I don't. Uh, you, must, you must know things that I don't know. And um, uh, I'm dumb and you're smart. And I just hate that because, like, I'm not – I've never done an English lit, lit degree. I've never, Me like – yeah. yeah, so I'm just, like, wholly um, self-educated around it. And I don't know. It just makes me want to – if it's a house party – I really just want everyone to come in and get a drink and have a good time. I also know that upstairs there's people having a really interesting conversation that I that I also <laughs> want to be part of. I'm sorry, I thought you were going to go different. I thought you were carrying the metaphor to like, I know upstairs there are people doing hard drugs. <laughs> yeah, no, basically, yes. Basically, upstairs is the good drugs and the good and, you know, all the hot people. <laughs> But I also, floor, but we're not, yeah, we're saving this as for, yeah. <laughs> but I want to, I, I want to be in both places. I want to be upstairs, you know, doing the hard drugs, but I also want to be downstairs being like, here are cupcakes and, and you are welcome. And eventually you might want to go upstairs. I mean, I think like the, the model I always think of, which is already inaccessible and, and elitist, I guess, is the globe theater with the tiered seating and the, like the groundlings and then the, the queen and the different different levels that the goal with the play is being that they they really did have something for everyone they were able to appeal across the board and maybe you got a little more out of it if you were educated in a certain way but that but you didn't there, there was no bar to entry um mm. for uh for people who are who are coming to it casually um yeah how much when I, you get asked that question about or when, when people say that to you about oh i don't get poetry you you know you must know something I, I don't know how much of that do you think is genuine and how much of it do you think is like when my when i like i come into a room and my father-in-law is like oh well i don't know if our conversation is going to be sophisticated enough for you matthew and you're like that's that is not <laughs> sincere <laughs> like, how, like how much of it do you think is like i think you think you know something i don't know and how much yeah. of it is genuinely like, I think there is a mystery called poetry and I don't have access to it. Yeah, no, I guess it's probably not truly that. I think it is a way of saying, I really don't want to talk about poetry because, um, yeah, maybe it's it doesn't interest me and my encounters with poetry this is you know the person who says i don't get poetry so often their encounters with poetry were punitive they were in a classroom they were asked to learn something from world war one and comment on it and they just made it through that that lesson or that semester and then they they never wanted to come back to it again and in a way it's kind of like um it's kind of miraculous 
that that we go through those experiences and and some of us come out the other side and go you know what i think i will i think i will go back to that stuff actually i think i will try and figure out like what was good about that um but yeah i think for a lot of people it's like i mean i feel this way about maths you know if somebody um mathematics if some if i met a mathematician i would the first thing I would say to that person is, oh, quit maths in, in year 10, sorry. Yeah. But you wouldn't secretly think, maths is bullshit. Like, you were like, <laughs> no, you you were like that's, not, that's not real. Like, you know. That's, you know. <laughs> that's not real. Yeah. No. Excellent point. I wouldn't think that. Um, yeah. I think most people probably think we're bullshit artists. And look, half the time, I, I think they're right. I think like, I don't know how, how common this is among people who have, did, did you, so I, I, I never had like a master proper, it was like somebody I kind of truly uh, learned under in a dedicated extended way and, and mimicked and, and grew under an, an apprenticeship. But I did have a, you know, like a close, close friend that I worked with and learned with and kind of discussed with. You, you have talked a few different times in your podcast about working and writing in a community. Has that it, apart from, and this may, be, may, this may have changed, you've been doing your podcast like a cu- couple, few years? Or how long is it? Uh, yeah, since 2016. Since yeah. 2016. Okay. So, since, yeah. so it, was, mm-hmm. it was christened by Patterson. Um, on the, it was the Patterson Poetry Podcast. But so totally. you, you um, did you, before I guess it was more public, did you have like a small community where you would, you would sort of talk privately and work work things out both technically and in a gossipy way about poetry like did you have a little group of people or a small you know it's taken me years and years and years to build that um when i started the podcast i was uh living in london with my partner and i had really no social network to speak of um i was very bored and, and lonely um I, got London, to, I think London's like a real like literary town, right? I mean, yeah, but the English are ugh, tough nuts to crack. Let's put it that way. You, know, uh, you speak and they just hear they just hear criminal like ancestors. Yeah, basically like they're like yeah. Oh, fucking convict. <laughs> um, so then I got to New York. After that, you know, it was a it was a truly blessed year where we got to go to both those cities and live in both those cities and when i was in new york i did a workshop at poet's house which i believe is now like been mothballed or like knocked down or whatever um and i met uh two people in that workshop um one of which um was was an australian uh who lives in sydney and she's become you know just one of my my closest poetry friends you know probably friends in general um and then uh when i got back home i i met uh another friend who also became a friend through the podcast i I reached out to her purely on the strength of you know i loved her work and then we became friends after that but i moved to melbourne from um from the capital of australia canberra which is a, a totally like dead in terms of of poetry scene basically um i'll I'll say that privately here in the middle of your american podcast um in fact i have never heard the name of that town before so so yeah no i mean you know quite safe yeah Yeah. 
And so I got to Melbourne and I, I felt like I was here, I got here too late and I wasn't enrolled in, in the courses where, you know, the, the poets of the city were kind of meeting and mingling and hanging out at the bar and, and getting to know each other. And every now and again, I would kind of encounter these circles and I'd be so fucking intimidated. These people were so smart. They had so much work published. You know, they were so cool and um, I'm still kind of scared of them really, even though I've interviewed like a bunch of them now on my podcast, I'm still really scared of them. So I guess it's a long way of saying I have very few friends that I I sort of share work with and feel connected to, but those people are really, really precious to me. Um, and the scene is something that I, I sort of skirt the edges of and feel, you know, by turns afraid of and annoyed by. Um, yeah, I I really like. I wonder very much what it's like for you because you you live in in what looks like a, a very beautiful but small town in North Carolina. Um, you 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 said it looked beautiful, and I thought, what? And so I looked on. I I I did what you must have done is I googled my own town, and then I looked at the photos that came up, and I was like, oh wow, this town looks great online. It's so picturesque <laughs> on Google. I, so all right, the thing I always wonder about with a with a scene or with like semi having this weird, dark, <laughs> uh, uh, destructive interest that we have, you end up connecting with people to, to like lots of different varying degrees over the years is my experience. Like the, mm. there are lots of people you sort of know, or you've maybe yeah. met or you've exchanged an email with, uh, or people you've sort of had like a brief, like magazine glancing, encounter with and then they're people you know better and better and you know are friendlier with the more like a relationship is part of a larger scene i feel like the it can definitely be gossipy but like the less candor there is in terms of this like basic question that for me is always like a really big question with poetry which is the like it's, it's not just the, like oh i kind of like this person more or less or, or this was better this was worse then like how much of it is is like true capital B bullshit? Like how, how much of this, is, the emperor's really, really naked. And like, I think of the one uh, really close writing friend I had from college on. And one of the, I mean, I've taken a lot from that friendship and still do, but one of the real blessings of it was the ability between the two of us to say like, we're not any good, we're working on it, we're figuring it out. But like, a lot of this is really just, a scam like this is not there's nothing there at all and like watching this movie again ron paget is you know he has not he's not as celebrated as some of the other members of the new york school but like he's pretty fucking celebrated as, as like a poet goes it's a pretty high profile pretty big career and however you want to delineate it and watching this movie i just thought like well there's not that much there like this like is this i mean you i think in a, in a way like the most damning comment is what you said earlier when you said well patterson is a beginning poet and that's partly true because he's he's writing in a little notebook to himself and he doesn't show anybody and he never revises but it's also probably partly true because his poems are written by ron paget and ron paget is a like an 80 year old venerable decorated beginner and like not in a, <laughs> an inspiring way like like that's it's like if you read those poems i mean here's a, here's an experience i have i don't know in your poetry world how often you encountered this um but like I read, because I read for a slush pile, I read um, work from people I don't know anything about. 
I know like their names very seldom are the names I recognize. I make a point of like, I don't, I try like not to read the bio and I don't look up anything before I read the poems. Very frequently, I have this experience where I read the work, you know, sometimes it's an essay, sometimes it's poems. And I think, oh shit, all right, hey, there's something here. Like this is, this is like the work, the like the promising work of a, of a, you know, a sort of an unformed, but, uh, but, but genuine and like hardworking 25 year old. And then I look it up and it's a tenured fucking 66 year old. <laughs> well, shit, like that's a, a totally like, so if I read these Ron Padgett poems that, that are in Patterson, I would think that's really promising. Like he's got some control. He's not like, he's not overly sentimental. He knows sort of when to shift gears, but, but like, no, that's like the finished product of like, and not just the finished. These aren't just poems he wrote for this this movie. These are poems that were from his finished work that were selected after the fact to go into the movie. I think like, well, they're just not that good. They're just there isn't that much there. Like they're they're like pale mimeographs of James Wright poems with like it's like the shallow image you know school instead of the deep image school. Like it, there's not it it has the same structure, but it just is like there's not, the turn is so, so slight. I mean, I think that that was another word you used just to say this movie is slight. And I think it's like Ron Padgett has this like big honking nude scene in this movie. He doesn't actually have a nude scene in this movie. He's not in this movie at all. It's like, but like the poems are, it's, it's as if there were this big nude of him and it, you just realize like, oh God, oh, that's what's really there. Shit. And Wait, that's like, so it's horrifying to me somehow. Are they really poems that he just, took out of published collections. I thought he wrote them specifically for the film. He wrote three or four of them for the movie. The rest are selected from his like published collected works. Huh. Okay. That is I think I think including yeah. the little girl one. Which is Oh, uh, that one was written by Jim Jarmish apparently. Oh, he that wrote, was written by Jim Jarmish. He wrote the waterfalling one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which yeah. which felt more naive than the rest, but also not like a lot worse. Like, like, I mean, it felt like in a way, like that girl, like <laughs> that, that 10 year old girl who happened to be Jim Darmish was like, that's girl. She shows real promise. Like, she's really good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Well, what I could say about Ron Padgett is that after I watched this film for the first or second time, and was like, I love it. It's beautiful. I ordered his, his book, how to be perfect. I moved house is, earlier. Is that this or is that essays? Uh, it's a collection. Okay. And yeah, I, I moved house earlier this year and the book did not come with me. It is, I, I think I read like two or three and I was like, oh God, no, no. This is, this is, it, yeah, just didn't grab me at all. Um, which I feel like, I don't know. I, this is something that really, really fascinates me about you, Matthew, is that you're really super comfortable to just like say that somebody's, you know, that the, the emperor has no clothes. Oh. Even when I say I'm like fucking no one from Melbourne, but if I'm criticizing Ron Padgett, there's a part of me that's like, oh no, what if Ron heard this and felt sad? Like, I just, what, why don't you worry about that? Uh, my dad does. <laughs> that worries for me. He's like, are you sure you should be burning all these branches? Uh, I I just don't think there's anything to burn. I uh, nah nah, I'm not buying that. You're very very fucking good. I read your book, so 
shut up. Oh, well, <laughs> no. But see, you, you can't say that you're not no, no, trying no, no, for no. something. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm actually not saying that at all. Like I'm, because I think you need a lot of arrogance and you also have to be very humble to, to be, to, to write, to make, to really to make art successfully. So I, I will be humbled by way of arrogance just for, like to frankly answer your question, which is, I think I am pretty good at writing poems. I think that has absolutely nothing to do with anything like a career or any sort of success of any kind other than maybe in this pure platonic artistic sense. So that I am good at writing poems, if I'm good at writing poems, what whatever opinion I have about that is independent of just like mathematically perpendicular to uh, my ability to publish or be paid by anybody to do anything. Uh, so, or like give readings or whatever, like, I don't know, whatever else a theoretical career would, would consist of that has, I think, almost no correlation at all to quality or, or like skill or goodness at, at work. Um, mm. I, I mean, that's really my, my feeling here is like anything I've, any luck I've had has been even even if I think like cosmically I might have deserved it, I don't think I I got it because I deserved it. <laughs> I think I got it for because of some happenstance. The same like the same the other side of the coin that says if I get if this gets rejected, it's not because it doesn't deserve to be published, is the the side that says if this comes published, it's not because it deserved to. Uh, I mean, that's like it, whenever I get in, mostly, you know, poetry is just getting rejections from one place after another. But like anytime somebody accepts something, I'm instantly skeptical. And they go, well, why did you take this? Because <laughs> I don't think you took it because it's good, uh, even if I think it's good. Or maybe like maybe I'm I'm less convinced that it's good now that you took it. So, yeah, I, I, I don't I truly don't think that it, it first of all, I have almost complete confidence that Ron Padgett, Kava Akbar, Ben Lerner, Ocean Vuong, uh, Michael Robbins. I think none of them will ever hear a lick of this. Uh, if they do, nothing I say will damage their careers in any way. And even if they do and they took offense, what are they going to do? Um, okay. I mean, that's like well, the, that's like the, the very not entertaining but quite honest answer. I'm going to take you at your word, and I realize that I've done that thing where I flipped it around and now I'm interviewing you. So I. I <laughs> feel like I need to pull back a little bit. No, no, please. I mean, but, please. But, well, I mean, let me ask you, like, what are you worried about? And I noticed like, you I... have, you have, you have been slightly more direct and you've, and you've kind of opened up. And, and I don't know, some of these interviews you've been re releasing recently, I know I realize you like you recorded them earlier because they were for the Australian Poetry Month. You all just had your first Australian Poetry Month. Is that right? First Poetry Month ever. Yeah. It's big nuts. Big deal, or or have you learned what we've learned, which is that it doesn't fucking matter. Maybe you know, uh, <laughs> like well, so April or whatever we have here is like it's just bullshit. Yeah, this is a perfect example of where I struggle, right? Because okay. my personal views on something like a poetry month are pretty much in line with yours. I don't, I don't know that it does or could have any real effect on on anything but um you know i i know the people who organized that that thing i feel like you know they're they're beautiful and um 
and lovely people and complicated people and like people with 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 issues like everyone like me um but i feel you know i know i feel like i know them personally so one of the things that really struck me when i was in the u.s was just the, the total freedom of anonymity that you have there and in so many ways australia is like a small town um, what, what's the population of Australia? I'm curious. 22-ish million, maybe 24 now. Oh, so like kind of like a, a big um, US city. Like it's a population of Seoul or something is a spread all around yeah, a very would, giant like country. Th- like not quite three New Yorks, I think. Yeah. yeah. And it's spread out and um, and Melbourne and Sydney are basically where most of the poetry stuff happens and a little bit Brisbane and then there are West Australian poets who are kind of operating in what appears to be a totally different sphere. But um, but all of them feel very, like, real people to me in the way that somebody like um, Kaveh Akbar, who's somebody whose work I read and was alienated by but felt that I should like because he was so celebrated... Um, and which is why I so appreciate you kind of like talking about it. Yeah, he doesn't feel so real to me. He feels like sort of in this sort of un- untouchable realm. Um, but I, I do have, you know, very, I'm very, <laughs> I'm discovering more and more very fucking conservative about what I think poetry should do and should be. Um, but I don't feel as comfortable as it seems like you feel to talk about it because the people that I really want to criticize are really, really nice. And like, I know them, (laughs) I know them, I've been to their houses, you know? Yeah. 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 I I think probably your, like in the Aristotelian sense, you think like, what is the excellence of man? Like, what is the, how, what should be like, how should a poet be? I think probably your model is the better one. Well, I don't know that either of our models are better. I think it's just a function of population and and the anonymity that that brings and then the freedom that results from that. And if you, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, the more connected you are to people as as human beings, the harder it is to to be candid about their poems. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not like a, like some radical honesty weirdo who thinks you should just always say the mean thing that's on your mind, no matter what. I mean, like, I don't, I'm not interested in hurting people's feelings. I'm not interested in picking apart the poems of people that I do know and like, you know, on the, the podcast. The thing though, that I think maybe if there, if I pretend to have any, if I pretend to offer any social value and it's truly a pretense, it has to do with what you said about Kava Akbar. I, the the there's a thing that Ryan has said to me a few times about various people we've gotten to know later on in our lives. And we we met in Claudia Rankin's class my junior year of college, and we've been very very close ever since. We've we've attended three different universities together at different times, and we can you know we read and work over all of each other's stuff, and we've come really to like in through our understanding of poetry together. And when we've met other smart capable, well-read people, often much better read, often smarter um, than, at least than, than I am. Uh, his comment sometimes has been, he's like uh, us if we hadn't had each other. And what that usually means is that this is somebody who's, who's good, who's smart, who's skillful, talented, has read a lot, has good instincts, but has never been told by anybody that all of the stuff that he's supposed to like 
uh, like much of it is just shit. And so he's continuing to warp his aesthetics in order to make things make sense that don't make sense. So like my hope, maybe if there's anything that I pretend to offer is like to the kid I was when there was a, there's certainly a time in my life when I would read any published book of poems, you know, like this looks pretty good to me, you know, this looks pretty good. Shit. Like she's got a book. She's got five books. Like, like this It's must a be book. Good. Somebody published yeah. it. It must be, it right. must, must be, be valuable. So I'd read it and I'd say like, Oh, well that's a thing you can do, I guess. And like, and so like some of that's great. Some of that's like you, you, you know, you, you learn a new possibility, you discover a new quirk, you, you know, but I think I, I, there was a point where I said like, Oh, well, I guess, I, well, I can do this. And so that would be poetry. And like, I, oh, this like, oh, this looks kind of silly and useless, but like, I, I guess that's good. And so I could do that. And so maybe I'll send some of that out and see if somebody will publish that. And what happened, I mean, part of what got having Ryan did for me was it was like, uh, it was like the, like a, the, the scythe in natural selection. Like, like Baltimore is this wonderful art scene. I love living in Baltimore. I really miss it. Uh, I, I, you know, I'd go back at any opportunity. Um, the problem with Baltimore's art scene while I was there is it was like Darwinism without death. Like there was just this constant proliferation of new possibilities and new experiments and new mutations, but nothing ever got killed off. And so <laughs> there was just lots of awful shit. And you think, well, this is like very often you'd say like, this is a new weird thing. Like, that's cool. I like that. But there, nothing ever got eliminated. <laughs> Uh, and so part of what, part of what, you know, having that friend to confide in did is saying like, oh yeah, but a lot of this is just bullshit and people just say he's good, but he's really not. And so it's like, that's, that's so helpful. It was such a help to me. And so I, yeah, like maybe if I pretend that I'm a good person in doing the podcast, I can pretend that that's the good thing I'm doing. I don't think you need to pretend. I think that that is, <laughs> that is precisely what's happening. No, honestly, because there, there are, so when I wrote to you, you know, early on, I think I was talking about other podcasts that I tried to listen to and, and just lost interest in. And, you know, you've got like the New Yorkers poetry podcast, um, just various kinds of like, we read a poem and then we talk about the poem, but there is absolutely you, you no. You started doing the voice while you said that. You did the voice that they all do, even like Paul Muldoon, like you, you did that voice, yeah. <laughs> ah, Paul. Yeah, so so it, it creates this sense, which I think is the alienating factor to the people who say, I don't get poetry, which is that it doesn't matter if this doesn't connect with you. It doesn't matter if this alienates you. You don't get it. Everything that has a place in the pantheon, whether it's published, whether it's read on a podcast, whether it is read at a reading, every single thing that is framed as poetry is equally valuable and equally important. Um, and if you don't like it, you are wrong. Um, and, and what you're doing is you're kind of cutting through and being like, well, no, like 80% of this is just really fucking annoying and doesn't really do anything. And it gives permission. I think that is, it's, it's a big word for me, like permission for people to say, I like this, but I don't like that. And that's what I want for my friends who are, are having these first encounters with poetry is to feel the permission to say, even at a line level, love that line, don't get what that one means. And this one seems weird, you know, just 
just to get away from this like protected bubble of like poetry. Well, right. I mean, yeah. which is which is really what I mean. You see the respect that we have for something like pop music or movies or even you know fashion design or like cars or any other sort of arena of aesthetics other than maybe you know contemporary visual art like nobody is scandalized that somebody who makes music would say like oh, i'm not really into taylor swift or like hey yeah, I, I kind yeah. of like i prefer billy eilish's first album like that's not that's not a shocking, scandalous thing. Like that doesn't alienate anybody because <laughs> totally. like, of course you're supposed to have some opinions. Like some of this is for you. Some of it like, oh, I really like Bach, but like Brahms sort of irritates me or like, you know, Schumann is like too difficult. Or, like that's not fine. That's okay. Cause you're supposed to like it or not like yeah. it, you know? And yeah. the same goes for like, I'm into this kind of movie. I'm not into that kind of movie. And I wish we could do that more with poetry. It is, it is amazing how, uncomfortable you will make people in an academic setting when they bring up some poet it's amazing how uncomfortable you make them just by asking something like hey so is it good do, do, do you like it do you like the poems does he write good poems it's like i mean truly that's like asking about somebody's genitals i mean it's so so untoward to do that yeah well because because probably they haven't asked themselves that question. Um, they 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 may have just taken it at face value that because this exists, it it must be good. And maybe if they don't think it's good, I mean, this is probably a lot less true in an academic setting. No, I mean academic academic setting is like that is the that's the native setting for the emperor's new clothes. I mean, that nowhere good. is bullshit yeah. more of an art there than there. <laughs> 